0: Welcome to Get to the Future on Time, Do Differently Tomorrow with Jay Allen. Today we're going to challenge you to think differently and do things differently. To search for what is seen as impossible to do in your field or industry, but if done, would be transformative. To understand that the burden of regret is greater than the risk of leading. Now, here is your host, Jay Allen. Hello,
1: I'm Jay Allen, your host of Get to the Future on Time, Do Differently Tomorrow. And today, we're excited to be focusing on transformation through a young leader's eyes. And I like to open with my Thomas Edison quote, there is a better way to do it, find it. Very simple, very direct, and so true. With uh, my guest, we're going to discuss the transformation in his life and get a young leader's view. And we're also going to challenge you, our listeners, to step out of your comfort zone and figure out what can be transformed in your world and what can be transformed now. And we'll examine another leadership perspective on why the burden of regret is greater than the risk of leading. And so we're excited to have a special young leader guest with us today who has already led in so many aspects of life, JT Baker. And JT is a Cornell University senior a member of the university board of trustees he's the dean student advisory board member and a school of hotel administration stu- student ambassador jt has also worked as an asset manager summer analyst at jp morgan in new york city and he worked in the office of the big 10 commissioner in chicago his experience also includes internship for the hudson bay company in new york and the Minnesota Viking Chief Operating Officer in Minneapolis. JT is a member of the leadership for tomorrow career prep at Cornell, and also a Cornell University varsity football defensive back. Welcome JT to the show. Glad to have you here. And we're looking forward to your thoughts and insights, and uh, it's going to be important to our audience that they consider your point of view as a young leader. I'd like to kick it off by, let's talk about what transformation means to you. What needs to happen for something to be really transformative in your view? Absolutely.
2: Well, thank you, Jay, for allowing me to be on the show. Um, This has been one of the most exciting things that's happened to me in in the last few weeks. Um, So it's a big honor and I appreciate you um, being willing to. Share my story, share my perspective and my voice. So I really appreciate that. And it's good to be here. And um, you know, to answer your question, what is transformation, what does something transformative look like? I think you have to start from the definition, right, of something that physically changes or changes its appearance. I think if you look in the world today, everything is constantly transforming. I think that we're in a very unique time period in society in human history and in America where everything is changing around us, the way we eat, the way we talk, the way we travel, the way we look at structures, the way we look at agencies. And um, I think the number one key to something being transformative is progressing, right? Going forward, advancing in the positive direction, right? And in order to grow, in order to advance, you must change. Something must adapt. Something must be different. And that's one of the biggest things that I always look at when I'm considering an institution, an organization, a person to be transformative. Are they helping push something in the direction of progressiveness and of the future changing orientation? So,
1: have you, where have you seen transformation so far in your world? You've had a lot of experience and, uh, (laughs) ranging from Wall Street to football
2: Correct. And, an intense,
1: <laughs> and an intense academic situation that you find yourself in? Correct. So I would say the, the biggest one is, you know, serving on the board of trustees
2: at Cornell University. Cornell is one of the only institutions in the country that allows one student to serve on their actual board of trustees as a full voting member. And I was fortunate enough, it's an election process, I won the election, and I was just one student selected. Um, and to kind of add a caveat to it, I was actually the first student athlete ever to win this election and be on the Board of Trustees in the history of Cornell. Um, and a handful of only a few underrepresented minority students to ever hold this, this, this honor and this position as well. And essentially, it's one of the most influential student positions you can hold at Cornell University and I make decisions running essentially a $14 billion world-class institution, an Ivy League school, um, especially being a young black man from, from Minneapolis, Minnesota, who's a first-generation college student. This was very, very profound. And Cornell is transforming the space of higher education in so many ways, right? So just considering the fact that you're one of the only institutions that allows a student to be on their board of trustees, where most of these high education, higher education institutions of that prestige would not allow something like this, right? Because they wanted to be and have a student perspective. They wanted to be in tune with what was going on around campus. They wanted to truly engage with the audience and the market that they were serving, which is young students, right? They're building future leaders of the world. And on this board, um, Governor Andrew Cuomo, Who is the governor of New York State serves on our board of trustees. Um, The former deputy director of the CIA. We have congresspeople. We have billionaires. We have owners of, of NFL teams. So we have a plethora and wide variety of people who serve on our board of trustees. And that's where I see leadership and transformation the most, which is amazing because being so young, I know that this is a very fortunate experience that I'm having. I would also say that, I see it in all of my work experience. I've had the great honor and privilege of working for Kevin Warren, who is one of the highest sport executives in the country right now for the last four years. So the first three years, he was the chief operating officer of the Minnesota Vikings. And now he just recently became the commissioner of the Big Ten Conference. And Kevin Warren has been a close mentor and role model of mine. But he is transforming the industry of sports every day, right? He's thinking in new ways, being innovative, right? I think innovation is a key to transformation. And that's something that I've been able to see close one-on-one and have direct contact with. So I I would say those are my two biggest areas that I've seen transformation happen from a leadership standpoint.
1: Well, I happen to know Kevin Warren, and uh, that really resonates. That is who he is. At 100%. And the nice contrast for Kevin Warren is he has a giant heart.
2: And I think that also goes into how can someone be truly influential and truly transformative? You have to be selfless, right? You have to have a love for the community, a love for other people, because ultimately what you're transforming is not just yourself, but your environment around you. So you have to care for that environment in order to truly transform it in a positive manner. And I think Mr. Warren implements that and embodies
1: that to the T. And as I recall, he had a tough childhood, too. He had some... Uh, was he, wasn't he the one that was uh, hit by a car when he was riding his bicycle and it was in the hospital in a body cast and, and wasn't expected to walk again and all that? And he ended Absolutely. up playing...
2: College basketball, having a great... Basketball career, um, collegiately, and um, you know, going on to do really, really great things. But even, even then, right, he had to transform himself. And me and you kind of spoke on this, this yesterday and during our call, is that individuals can transform as well. It's just like transforming your body when you're working out, and you know, you're getting stronger, you're building endurance, you're physically changing your body. And that's something that Kevin had to do really well was when he was injured. You know, the doctors didn't think he'd be able to walk. He was in a full body cast, but he had the mental determination to transform his body, right, to go to therapy. And with this, this hope and this faith and this determination, he was able to transform himself, eventually end up walking again and then playing college basketball, which, which no one ever expected.
1: So what I hear you saying is that there's a little bit of don't give up in transformation. Oh.
2: You can't, right? Because if you're transforming something, you're, you're going down a path or you're going down a certain sequence that hasn't been done before, right? Because you are changing something. You're changing a process. You're changing the way something systematically works that's embedded in it. So in order to truly be transformative and change, you have to go down a path that hasn't been, you know, experienced before. So in order to do that, you have to have faith and hope. You have that that's an essential
1: key. So I hear that you you mentioning things about your board of trustees, and you didn't use the words, but well, you did a little bit in constituency and the students being uh their your, the constituency or the customers. Would you how would you put that in terms of a customer relationship. So,
2: so, so you mean specifically at Cornell? What, what, yes. What, what, what
1: well, I, I want to I want to hit Cornell first, and then I want you to extend that, if you will, out to what you hear from other institutions this, and your peers uh, and friends and things like that, and if there happens to be a contrast or not.
2: Absolutely. So, two things, right?
1: Um, students at Cornell
2: are the breadth of the university, right? The university would not exist if it wasn't for educating students. And that's their mission, right? Cornell's mission is any person, any study, which means any person can come to Cornell and find a study in a field that interests them in any field or major they want. And they really embody that, right? So they try to be as open to students as possible. And I think that's one of the key reasons why Cornell is such a great and strong institution is because of the fact that they're so heavily focused on the students. And I think this is a lesson to be learned throughout anything, right? For example, I play football. The best football programs I've ever been a part of or coaches that I've played for were player focused coaches, right? They didn't necessarily obsess over the scheme. They didn't necessarily obsess over the game prep or the overall Archie organization, but they were player driven and player focused, right? They cared specifically about each and every individual player that was on their team and how they best could turn them into young men or young women. And Cornell does the same thing. Our board of trustees is very intentional with engaging with students and ensuring that they have a great educational experience, that they grow. And like I said, prepare to be future leaders of the world, right? So, a lot of our trustees are the older generations, right? So, they graduated from Cornell 40, 45, 50 years ago. And although a lot of similarities are still there at Cornell, this generation that's going to school currently, my generation, have different views, right? Different perspectives, are living in a different time and era than a lot of our administration and our board of trustees, you know, experience Cornell. So, one thing that worked for them while they were students may not work for us, and vice versa. So the fact that they bring students into the Board of Trustees to have a real voice and a real impact just shows how much they care about the student experience. And I think that's business 101 right then and there. Also, if you look at it, so you said from an overarching customer standpoint, your customers are your most important asset, right? They can give you the most important feedback. They can give you the most important perspective of how to make your company better. And I'm so at Cornell, I'm specifically studying hotel administration with a concentration on finance and real estate, right? And that's what hospitality is. It's the people business. But I, I think it's not just solely exclusive to the hospitality. I think it's any business in general. Your customers should always be your sole focus and who you want to serve the most. And when you have that aspect, when you have that approach, and not necessarily worry about the finances as much, that's what will make a great business, right? But I also think, Jay, you can't forget about your employees. Your employees should always be a part of that customer base, right? Because if you have satisfied employees who feel like they belong, who feel like they're valued, they'll also make your company a lot better. So that's something that I've learned from leaders like Kevin Warren. That's something that I've learned from being on the Board of Trustees and being on the other side of it, right? Being an employee at firms on Wall Street, being a student at Cornell. You have to incorporate all these moving pieces to truly have a strong organization and therefore to be transformation.
1: How do you get up-to-date information, so to speak, <laughs> from, from your students and your peers so that, uh, so that you have the confidence that you've got your finger on the pulse?
2: I think you I think you you actually I'm gonna quote you Jay paying attention, right? Um you told me a quote about being intentional, about paying attention, and that's so it's 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 easy to do. It's simple but not easy. That's how I like to kind of phrase it, right? It's simple to pay attention and be intentional, but it's not easy, right? It takes time, it takes energy, it takes resources. But when you do pay attention to your surroundings. And the people that you serve and the people that your environment you're sharing an environment with it's easy to be intentional and to see that right so that's what I do as a student trustee at Cornell I'm very intentional with paying attention right all I can do I can be walking down the street and I can see a handicapped student struggling to get into a certain building right I may not personally know that student but I know that I now and I'm, I'm not handicapped. I don't have any restrictions of getting into buildings or anything like that. So I would never know what that experience is like. But by me just paying attention, I can be a transformative leader because then I can take that experience back to the Board of Trustees and say, hey, have we considered this? Or you know, maybe we should put a ramp at you know, this building for students to get into these lecture halls. Or have we considered adjusting this for certain students? Right, And all of that simply by paying attention and being intentional, right? But I have to go through about my day with that mindset. And that's another thing that I challenge people again, right? So we're, we're going through a period of a lot of racial tensions. And I know we're going to touch on this a little bit later in the show. And people ask, you know, what can we do to make the world better? What can we do to end racism? What can we do? I think it's just paying attention to the community that you're in and being intentional with how you impact people with what you do, with what you say. And that's something that I try to live my life with the most, and that's how I'm able to serve the community that I'm in, is listening, being a great listener, paying attention, and then being intentional with the decisions I make.
1: So I think you might have left out something that's one of your personal attributes, and that is you care.
2: Absolutely. I I care deeply right? And I think that all great leaders must care. You must be passionate. And one thing that I learned early on, which I had the fortune of, is learn what you care about the most and then do that, right? So when you think of being a transformational leader, that's very hard to do. It takes a lot of time and energy and resources. But if you care about something deep enough, you will essentially be a transformational leader, because of your passion and your care, so yes, I, I do have a lot of care in my heart.
1: <laughs> well, that's exciting and 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 rewarding. It's uh, it's something that we will continue to talk about. We're going to take a short break, and we'll be back.
2: Look forward.
0: Are you struggling to gain a competitive edge in your market? Are you looking for innovative ways to engage customers, improve responsiveness, and inspire your team to grow your business? Masters Alliance Strategic Management Consulting Firm brings over 30 years of experience partnering with a wide variety of industries in 13 countries to achieve breakthrough business results. Jay Allen and his team of professionals can help your organization consider new strategies and creative solutions to produce a lasting impact. Masters Alliance delivers the knowledge and experience to help your team take action now. Masters Alliance will work with you to engage employees, customers, and suppliers to accelerate how you do things to gain growth and competitive advantage. Our team brings fresh perspectives and a track record of excellence to help you accomplish your business goals. If you're ready to set your business apart and make a difference in your markets, Masters Alliance is ready to help. Visit mastersalliance.com to learn more.
3: Are you ready to break the mold and discover your business edge? Are you ready to get to the future on time? Then take the bucket off your head and transform something. Opportunities are everywhere. Drawing on key principles from his award-winning Bucketheads book, Jay Allen and his team at Masters Alliance Consultancy, LLC, will support you as you take your organization out of its comfort zone, energize, and embolden your team to champion new thinking. Identify obstacles to growth and look at markets, customers, and competition from a fresh perspective. Discover your organization's outlook on the future and potential to shape that future. Does your team appreciate the excitement of achievement? Do they understand that today may already be obsolete and tomorrow's opportunities are easy to miss? It's time to take action. Get in the new game and make a difference in the marketplace. Commit to success today. Get in touch with Jay Allen at MastersAlliance.com. Get your copy of Bucketheads today. Available at Barnes & Noble and Amazon.com. See more at (laughs) BucketheadsBook.com.
0: You are tuned into Get to the Future on Time, Do Differently Tomorrow, hosted by Jay Allen. To reach out to the show with questions or comments, please send an email to info at mastersalliance.com. That's info at mastersalliance.com. Now back to Get to the Future on Time, Do Differently Tomorrow.
1: Welcome back, I'm Jay Allen, your host of Get to the Future on Time and Do Differently Tomorrow. We're so excited to have JT Baker as a special young leader with us today. For those listeners that might have connected a little late, I would like to just give a brief profile on JT. He's a Cornell University senior and a member of the University Board of Trustees. He's a Dean Student Advisory Board member and the School of Hotel Administration Student Ambassador. He's got this great experience in his life already with JP Morgan, the Office of the Big Ten Commissioner, and other organizations. Also, uh, JT is a member of Leadership for Tomorrow Career Prep at Cornell, and a Cornell University varsity football defensive back. So competition is part of his world, achievement is part of his world, and we've had an exciting discussion so far. And JT, we were discussing caring, and I would like to connect uh, our last comments on caring back to the Cornell University mission, which uh, any person, any state, and as I listen to you talk about what the University of Cornell tries to do and develop its seniors, its students, and its leaders, et cetera, it must be kind of a dilemma for you and the trustees, since you want, so you care so much about this current generation and you want to help so much, but you can only, as I read, accept about 11% of the applicants. And I thought, would you be willing to comment on how that works and the tension around that?
2: Absolutely. Right. So Cornell was founded in 1865 by Ezra Cornell, And he had this mission of any person, any study, right? So as as I touched on before, meaning any person could come to Cornell, no matter your religious affiliation or beliefs, no matter your gender, no matter your, your race or ethnicity, he really kind of believed in this. Any person should be afforded the opportunity of education in any study, meaning in any field, right? So if you want to study agriculture, if you want to study business, if you want to study medicine, veterinarian medicine, right? Anything you wanted to study philosophy, you could come to Cornell, any person, any study, and find a field that you believed in and that you felt you could make a difference. And that that mission and and core value is still true today, right? And I believe, so to answer your question, right? This is one of the hardest things the board of trustees and administration have to to tackle and wrestle wrestle with every year. I do want to point out one thing though, Jay. Cornell, amongst the Ivy Leagues, is the largest Ivy League institution. so we have around in from any given year 14 to 15,000 students that we serve, which is by far larger than any other Ivy League institution um, amongst our peers. We also have one of the highest acceptance rates, right? So I think you mentioned we have an acceptance rate around 11 percent. I would say that that is higher than the majority of our peers within the Ivy League as well. So we always try to push the envelope of how, you know, helping as many students as we can, giving them a great world-class education, and then propelling them into the world to make an even larger difference in their communities, in their environments, and for the greater good. So I think we're really intentional with, you know, trying to be the highest Ivy League that, you know, amidst as many bright students as we possibly can. That's why we have a slightly higher acceptance rate, as well as afford this opportunity to as many students as possible. That's why we are the largest Ivy League school. And another thing I wanna touch on is the fact that we're building and focused on building future leaders of tomorrow, future leaders of the world. We know that just from a realistic standpoint of resources and professors and education and space, we can't educate every student in the world, right? Although now, one thing that the pandemic has shown us, which again, going back to being intentional, paying attention and being transformative, is everything's online now, right? So all universities in the world have come to this realization that it is possible to educate students virtually, right? On Zoom, on, on online platforms, which very may well be a transformative, technology and insight into higher education forever. Because now students don't have to physically be on campus, so you don't have to worry about resources or space. Now we can educate students in different countries, in different time zones, with different schedules, and that may allow us to have more flexibility and have a broader range of students to you know therefore help. So Cornell is really intentional with thinking of our online learning platforms and how we can reach even more students with this newfound kind of perspective that, you know, we've had to fight through through the pandemic. Another thing I want to touch on is, like I said, the leadership. So Cornell students go on to do many great things, right? Be CEOs, be amazing authors, be Nobel Peace Prize winners, hold immense offices and political offices. And I think that the one thing Cornell stresses is being a great leader and being a great citizen. So I also believe that that leadership and that ability to help people and kind of that way of critically thinking helps as well. Um, so that's how the Board of Trustees intentionally tries to affect change on as many students and as many people as possible.
1: Well, that's uh, very well thought out, I think, and very much to the point and a very the conclusion is very transformative. So we talked on, not you and I, but we, I've talked to other guests on previous shows about a little more about this idea of transformation. And we, we are really concluding that those who've not seen transma- transformation or have not been part of it uh, or even touched it or led it, they have trouble feeling that transformation is even possible, and you alluded to the things that go on in transformation the change that it incorporates and the new ideas that it incorporates the innovation that it incorporates so all those can be can be put offs to people who might consider transforming something and we we talked about if or finally, when somebody experienced transformation or comes close enough to it to see its benefit, that then they are more willing to actually go out and do it and try it. And so a couple of us talked about this being a transformation muscle memory, because it gives them the confidence to do it. So one of the things that we would like to do on this show, is give some examples of that that you've already talked about so that people will be encouraged to go out and do it. And uh, what do you think is the risk of not stepping up and not leading transformation when you notice it?
2: I would say the risk is being complacent, right? The risk is never advancing. And I would say in some terms, I know this may sound a little dramatic, Jay, but failing to be transformative and take that action of leading may be the essence of survival, right? And it may be a risk of your survival. And one thing I want to touch on as a young, young black man, right, in America and in today's society, I know with everything going on, right, with all the different perspectives and the different beliefs and with what's going on with police brutality and with social injustices and oppression, I know that if I don't use my platforms to take a stance and to advocate for a more equitable society a more just, a more positive, peaceful society, I know that may be the mere essence of my survival. That may come back to really hurt me one day, right? Just the sheer fact that I didn't stand up and say anything could be detrimental to my own survival. And I know that's on the dramatic end of things, but I think that's with everything, right? If we don't advance as a society, if we don't come up with new technologies, if we don't come up with new ways of thinking and new perspectives, things will run out, right? We'll run out of resources. We're experiencing that every day in our environment. We'll run out of ways to do things. So I think that the burden of regret and the burden of not taking a stance and being a leader is way greater than the risk of doing so and one thing that I've seen right as a young leader is very nervous right and and I, and I want to be very transparent with you although I've become really comfortable now on the board of trustees like I mentioned to you I'm a 21 year old first generation college student from Minneapolis Minnesota who therefore you know went to Cornell as a regular student and then became essentially someone who helps run the institution at the highest level in the most influential position as a board of trustee member. So there's often times that I'm nervous. There's often times that I don't feel necessarily the most comfortable in a room with some of the most influential alum to ever step foot out of Cornell, right? The biggest donors to ever give to Cornell and people who ultimately, like I said, hold influential positions in the world. But I know that my voice is very, very important and adds so much substance to the the strategic fabrication of the Board of Trustees and the decisions that come out of those rooms. So I have to take the time to say, okay, would I rather not advocate for something that could change students' lives or would I rather take a stance, take a chance And voice those opinions and perspectives, although that the other the the rest of the room may not agree with me, but I think it's my duty to do so because I afforded that platform. And that's the way I think about it, you know, Jay. I think that if you don't stand up, then you're gonna stand to fail. And it may not happen tomorrow, it may not happen next week, but eventually everything runs out and things fail if you don't start
1: thinking in new ways. So this is kind of personal. Have in in your life, being a young person, can you recall ever failing to step up?
2: One hundred percent. I think you know one of the the first things that come to my mind that is very obvious is around you know the murder and death of George Floyd that happened this spring in Minneapolis. And it was devastating, Jay, because I'm originally from Minneapolis, Minnesota. I was home at that time from Cornell because that was kind of in the midst of the pandemic. So all students were sent home. So normally I would be in Ithaca, New York, studying at Cornell, working out, training for football. But because of the pandemic, I was, you know, all students were forced to go home. So I was home during that time. and to see another Black man, right, essentially tortured and, and killed for eight and a half minutes, nine minutes on video in broad daylight, you know, really did something to my soul. And it did something to a lot of people in our society. And I remember, right, I, I'm, I've never kind of labeled myself as an activist or as, as someone, as a protester, but I knew, right then and there i had to make a stance and stand up right for what's right it's not necessarily about political views it's not necessarily about opinions and perspectives it's about at the end of the day human rights and people being safe in their own country right which is a really big issue especially to me like i said i was i was kind of torn between do i get out of my comfort zone and stand up for what's right or Do I say, no, Jay, I'm a student, right? I'm at Cornell. I've never really got involved in activism. I never got involved in that. that, That's not my fight. But at the end of the day, Jay, it is my fight, right? Because I very much so could have been George Floyd, right? And someone could have been on your show talking about that young man, JT Baker, who passed away in the spring, right? Or I could have been that young man because I walked those same streets. I've been in that same store. I've seen the same Minneapolis Police Department, I've been on that same corner before many times. And when I, when I kind of thought about that, it hit me that there's no other option than to stand up and be a leader in my own way, right? And one of that is just having conversations, explaining that using my platform, I, I addressed the Board of Trustees, which was another kind of uncomfortable situation for me, where I had to get in a room with some of the most powerful people that I've ever been around, that I respect highly, but as a minority, right? I'm one of the only handful of black people on the board of trustees, let alone being only 21. But I had to share with them a perspective that they probably never experienced before. A majority of our trustees at Cornell never experienced racism or what that feels like. And I had to describe and tell them in a way that, that resonated with them, which was again, another very kind of, I would say, not nerve wracking, but a time that as a young leader, I had to really test my strength and adjust the way I think of my comfort zone. Another time I would say, you know, kind of to kind of get away from the so dramatic side or the, you know, the very serious is football, right? When I transformed from playing high school to college football in the Ivy League, which is Division One, it was very hard. But I had to step up as an athlete. I had to step up as a young man and say, you know, this is what I was recruited to do, and I have to meet this 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 new challenge in front of me. And uh, I think football is a great game because it mirrors life, right? It reflects real life situations, and that's why you know football. I would say is one of the greatest sports ever invented because it puts you in positions that you later off have to go into in life, right? So as a football player, I know what it feels like to have to get up at 5 a.m., 4.30 a.m. to go to workouts. And I know what it feels like to be dead tired. But I also know what it feels like to overcome all of those challenges, right? Overcome all of those barriers, overcome all of those adversities, get hit, not get knocked down, and then stand back up and do it all over again. And that's the same mentality I took into the boardroom. That's the same mentality I took on Wall Street. And that's the same mentality that I take every day in my life as a young man that I think that really helped me become a transformational leader at a young age. So I, I know I gave you a mouthful, Jay, but you know, that's why we're here, right, to have fun and talk. So I wanted to Absolutely. make sure I got all that out.
1: Well, uh, thank you very much. And there's definitely a connection to the discussion we had a few minutes ago on caring. And the the leadership without caring doesn't amount to much. The standing up for what you think is right without caring doesn't, stand, doesn't count for much. And so the two are really connected. And, and to me, listening to you, the caring is what something that gave you the courage to uh, do what you did with the board, et cetera, et cetera. And we'll come back and visit that but we're going to take another short break. Thanks, JT.
3: Thank you.
4: Are you ready to look at your business from a fresh perspective to gain competitive advantage and grow your revenue? Master's Alliance Business Consultancy brings you beyond demographics. Are you ready to look at your business from a fresh perspective to gain competitive advantage and grow your revenue? Master's Alliance Business Consultancy brings you beyond demographics, the character of the customer, an advanced approach to understanding and engaging your current and potential customers. Traditional demographic views no longer tell you all you need to know. Beyond Demographics engages your organization to gain unique, deep customer segmentation understanding. You get new perspectives of the motivations and needs of your customers. Masters Alliance is ready to help you identify distinct customer value with actionable customer priorities. We work with our team to reveal these hidden opportunities and develop demand, creating value propositions. Now is the time to look at your market through a new lens and chart a new competitive direction. At Masters Alliance, you know that customers are more than meets the eye. And success depends on looking beyond demographics. Visit MastersAlliance.com to learn more. tuned into Get to the Future on Time,
0: Do Differently Tomorrow, hosted by Jay Allen. To reach out to the show with questions or comments, please send an email to info at mastersalliance.com. That's info at mastersalliance.com. Now back to Get to the Future on Time, Do Differently Tomorrow. Welcome back.
1: I'm Jay Allen, your host. And our discussion today is focused on transformation through a young leader's eyes. And we're fortunate to have JT Baker with us. He's a Cornell student, but he's also on the university board of trustees, which is quite a privilege and a responsibility. He's held many business internships, given him great perspectives and he happens to be a Cornell University varsity football defensive back. JT, welcome back. I'd like to ask you a, a look back question on how did you discover leading? How did you kind of bump into the to the idea of leading? We're we're, we don't know about that when we're born. We probably don't know about that at two years old, especially two years old, since we think we're the leader or something. But, but when, did you, when did you kind of observe in your life that there was this kind of thing called leading?
2: I would say, you know, that's a great question, Jay. And, you know, that's also actually a question I get asked a lot. And to be honest with you, it was sports, Sports was the very first time I ever had to lead, right, be an effective communicator and really step outside of my comfort zone. Um, and I think that really solidified itself when I got to high school at D.L. High School in Minneapolis, Minnesota, which is right downtown. It's a, it's a private Catholic high school um, who has a great tradition and history with being successful in sports. And um, I played on a lot of very successful sport teams growing up. And I credit a lot of my leadership today to those experiences. Right. And um, I had one specific coach. His name was CJ Holman, who was the head varsity football coach at Dealer Sale during my time there. And he really pushed me to be a leader off and on the field because he said that it would allow me to be a better football player and to allow my team to be more successful. And I was very competitive, so I said, you know, anything that would allow me to be a better athlete and make my team better, I'm willing to do. But what I wasn't really realizing at the time, that now when I look back, it makes so much sense, was the life lessons in that, right? So I was advocating and communicating to my teammates in a leadership manner, off the field, right? So in the classroom, making sure my teammates went to class on time, making sure that everyone was staying top of their academic work making sure that they were good leaders amongst our peers within the high school and that we not only, you know, received the benefits of being students at the high school but also gave back to the community and made it a better place. And having this kind of extra pressure of, of managing and advocating and communicating and trying to be a leader to these my peers really enabled me to build these life skills. So I always tell people, right, especially with young children, is to make sure, you know, this, it doesn't necessarily have to be involved in sports, although that's a great pathway, but get them involved in things early on when they're young, because that will bring out some of these life lessons that they will later down the world learn, right? So a lot of people don't know this about me, Jay, but I also have a first-degree black belt in karate, um, that I received at the age of 10. And so I, in karate, I learned discipline. I learned how to be self-aware. I learned a lot of lessons in that, which goes back to sports. And um, I often tell people, right, please get young people involved in sports or, or music or, or some sort of extracurricular activity that allows them to be around people of their own age because that's when they'll build a lot of life skills that will be very useful down the road um so i would say i would say sports and i would also say just being around great leaders and that's why it's important to have mentors and have role models and why it's so important for older generations and people in leadership positions to as um supreme court justice alan page you know told me it's important to send the elevator back down so when you get to certain positions and you have a platform Never forget to send the elevator back down to where you came from and bring other people up with you, right? So I always try to do that. I always try to reach back and mentor young high school students who have aspirations of going to college or playing a division one sport or being in these very influential positions as student leaders. And I think that that's important and that's something I would challenge all of our listeners and our audience to do is to mentor someone, be a role model to someone, right? Because you never know how that one relationship or that one beneficial interaction may change someone's life. So I think sports and mentorship allowed me to be the great leader um, or the aspiring great leader I am today.
1: You're still under construction, right?
2: Yeah. Yes. I'm still being molded, still working out the kinks, (laughs) but, but every day we're trying to get better and better.
1: As am I, even though I'm a little older. Well, if my wife were, in the studio, she'd say, "Come on, Jay, give it up. You're a lot older."
2: Nah, but
1: but, but you know, between me and you, I you're you're, you're not that much older, <laughs> so, so you're all good. <laughs> so, how did how did your peers respond to your leadership, and how do your peers? So, kind of two levels. You described the things that were going on in high school that I can relate to because I had a great football coach. Sanders was his name. And I learned more about myself than I could ever imagine. But also as in the college level with your peers, how, how do they respond to peer leadership? How, how does that work these days? That's kind of put it in your time zone.
2: Yeah. I I would say, Jay, you have to care, right? You have to be intentional. People can sniff out when someone's being ill-intentioned or unintentional or doing something as a means to achieving something else. But if you want to step into a leadership role because you care, because you're passionate about something, because you want to help in some form or fashion, people love that. I think, especially in today's society, and how you asked about high school and in college, every time that I've stepped up as a leader, people have embraced it, right? They've been hungry for some form of leadership. And I think our country is right now, right? We're going through an election period that is one of the most unique election times in our country's history. And I think a deciding factor and driving force of that is because people are hungry for leadership, right? They're hungry for someone to care about them. That's why you have all these protests going on. That's why you have people who are hungry. So when people do step up and have the right intentions and are trying to be positive and trying to make a difference, people will embrace you. People will love that. People will adore you for stepping into that leadership role. So oftentimes, many people are reluctant to being leaders because they don't want to suffer from the peer pushback or the criticism or the the high level of burden and demand that comes with it but i think now more than ever people need it and are welcoming it right and that's kind of been my experience as a leader my peers and all you know especially with young peers with high school and college students it takes a lot for them to get behind you right like they the, those are a very very competitive and very perspective oriented group of people but once they can see that you're you have a caring personality that you truly want to do something to help the greater good, they're all in for it. And that's advice that I would give any leader, right? If you're passionate, if you have a plan, if you want to make a difference, take the leap and be a leader, because people will not only welcome it, but they will support you in your leadership roles.
1: When in the beginning, are they skeptical?
2: 100%. I think that's with anything, right? You, you do, there's a period where you have to prove yourself and you have to prove that genuineness. You have to prove your authentic self and allow people to evaluate that, right? Allow people to evaluate your intentions and what you're trying to do and allow them to evaluate how they can help you. So during that process, of course, there's always some, some skeptical thinking, and things that, you know, they aren't quite sure of, or, you know, they need a little more time, but be patient, be patient. That's nothing that's need.
1: You're connecting with something that that I read recently from Warren Buffett. And uh, he's really getting up there in age. He turned 89. He ought to have some interesting perspectives, but this connects to what you were just saying and about caring, he said, success is really assisted by being being given unconditional love. He said, you can't get rid of love. You try to give it away and you end up with taking it back so much. And if you try to hold on to it, it disappears. He said, push out the love and it comes back t- times 10. And it seems to me that lines up a little bit with how you run your life.
2: Absolutely. I think I I love that quote. I'm a big fan of that quote. And you have to, right? You have to push out love in order to receive it back. And once you do, it just multiplies and multiplies and multiplies. Um, So you have to be caring and you have to be loving. And that's why I said, find something that you love. Find something that you care about, and then be intentional. Put in a little extra effort and try to affect a positive change in that specific field, right? Um, And we all can do that, Jay. We all can do that.
1: So some have said that getting to the future on time is not possible. Uh, I don't think that's really the point. I think the point is to create your own future as part of getting to the future on time and creating a better future for others. And it seems to me, if you create your own future and you help create a future for others, you will get to the future on time because you're there. You're doing something, as you said, intentional. So what would you say to the listeners about Creating your own future and taking action and even even moving that to the edginess what I call the edginess of transformation so transformation you described early in the show today, but i 'd like to even divide transformation into some pieces and say let 's talk about the most edgy transformation because that might make the most difference so what would you what would you tell people about creating their own future so A couple of things, Jay. I think this is the most important piece of the show.
2: And I want to start off with a quote by Nelson Mandela, which says, it always seems impossible until it's done. Right? So this edgy transformation that you're talking about is always going to seem impossible at first. It's always going to seem hard at first. But everything always seems impossible until it's done right? So you have to take that stance and you have to do that, right? And, and how to create a better future? Invest in yourself, invest in your community. I think the, the quote you gave on Warren Buffett was, was exceptional. If you give love to yourself, if you give love to your community, if you give love to the world that you live in, you will, by a result, create a better future for tomorrow. And that's hard to do sometimes, right? We get caught up in our daily lives. We get caught up in trying to accomplish the goals, our personal goals, our financial goals. But I think that if we spend more time trying to give love into the community and trying to say, okay, what can I do that might not necessarily benefit myself but benefit everyone around me? That's when you get on the edge of transformation, right? And that's something that I've learned on the Board of Trustees at Cornell. One thing that I propose, right, is that we're to be one of the first institutions to create an anti-racism, anti-hate center, um, which is the first in the Ivy League of its kind. But you have to be willing to step out of your comfort zone and give love to the community and the world around you to be on the edge of this transformation. But I just want to go back to that quote. It always seems impossible until it's done. So just remember that.
1: That's a uh Very important to all of us to remember. And we have talked previously and we're about to wrap up. We won't have time to do it today, but we talked about taking the first step. Yes. Take the first step.
2: You have to take the first step. That's all it
1: takes. uh, Don't look at eating the elephant. Correct. Because that makes it seem, as Nelson Mandela said, more impossible. Correct. Take the first step. Try it. Engage others. And JT, it's been a wonderful pleasure to have you on the show. Uh, We, of course, will stay in touch. And I wish all the best to you. You're on a great track. Thank you so much.
2: Well, thank you, and um, thank you for being here. It's, it's an honor, and everyone listening, thank you for tuning in, um, and we hope that you do take that first step and continue making the world a better place. So, so God bless everyone, and um, thank you, Jay.
1: Thank you for the privilege of being here with you today, listeners, and please tune in next week, Thursday, 10 to 11 Central Daylight Time.
0: Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to Get to the Future on Time. Do Differently Tomorrow with Jay Allen. Next week, we will have more takeaways for your business success. So please join us next Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time and 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. We'll talk soon.